transformational change. Real people, real pain, real hopelessness, real healing. Witness firsthand the challenges that men and women from around the world faced head on and how through their adversity they became stronger and happier. Battling a life-threatening illness, surviving an abusive relationship, overcoming addiction, suffering the heartbreaking loss of a child, wrestling with self-sabotaging thoughts, losing and finding love. These are just a few of the transformational stories that will encourage you and change your perspective in chaos to clarity. A global voice of the contributing authors bears their souls for you. Their unfettered honesty is a gift to all and connects us to the butterfly effect of universal oneness. Just as the flapping of a tiny wing can change weather patterns around the world, a small inspiration may impart positively on another's life. The tears shed from these stories may make waves on distant shores, and your peals of laughter may become someone's breath of life. Change is part of the natural order of life. In this inspirational book, authors Caganello and Canavas offer their expertise on the spirituality and psychology of change and explain why change is not only necessary, it's good for you. Welcome to the heart of our shared humanity. Discover hope for the future and a blueprint for your life in these life-changing pages. I'm Richard Dugan, your host on this special edition, a month-long look at the book, Chaos to Clarity. The entire month is devoted to authors from this book to help you and encourage you. Stay tuned. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And keep this in mind. I have declared the year 2020, the year of perfect vision. So let's go from chaos to clarity. Let's go from change to perfect vision here in 2020. The entire month of January, stay with us here on Tell Me Your Story. Now let's go find out about change in chaos to clarity. And as we continue our series on chaos to clarity here on Tell Me Your Story, I am your host, Richard Dugan, and I thank you so much for joining us with this special series as we enter 2020, the year of perfect vision, talking about the series of stories contained within the uh, the book, Chaos to Clarity, Sacred Stories of Transformation. And we continue talking with one of the authors who has shared her stories her story, as well as words of wisdom, Peggy Lindsay. She's also the co-author photographer, as well as the photographer of This New Cottage. She's a homeowner who, as a child, vacationed in the inspiring cottage described in her book, and she holds uh, an MBA from Boston College in marketing and uh, in business. She's uh, worked as a marketing researcher 
and manager management consultant, uh, where she acquired uh, sharp writing skills, and we're going to talk to her about those writing skills that she has shared in this uh, story that she has written, the work that she has put out through uh, this uh, great thing. Downsizing, a life-changing roller coaster ride, hard for a lot of us to do because so much of what we have... For some reason, we seem to connect with that's who we are. And if I lose those things, I won't be the person I am. And that belonged to my mother, my father, my grandmother, my great, great, my what, whoever. Or I had an experience with that thing. And I, I, you know, if I get rid of it, I won't keep those memories and so on and so on. And there's all kinds of reasons why. And that's part of where uh, hoarding comes from as well, in, in a manner of speaking. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Peggy, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Well, thank you so much, Richard. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Well, this is something that uh, is uh, something my wife and I uh, are doing. Uh, it takes time. And even though we... I would have to say we don't have a lot of things. Um, uh, We are not uh, uh, paying anybody to store any of our stuff off the off the property where we live. I have uh, maybe I have two sheds. They're small ones, an eight by eight, and one I think another one six by four. And there's not a lot in either of them. We have a storage space under the house, and then of course we've got bookcases in the house filled with books and i sit here going if we ever had to move you know when we moved to santa barbara we filled up a a cab over moving van and the way they do it they do it by weight we moved nine thousand pounds of stuff now there was a piano in there (laughs) it was an upright (laughs) but that i don't know how much those weigh but i don't think that was nine uh, that was a thousand pounds but that's a lot of stuff. It cost me, I think it was five grand to move 9,000 pounds. And, and, I, and we've been paring down ever since. Um, that's the, sort, of the, sort of the basis of your story, downsizing. And for a lot of folks, that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Uh, it sure is. Um, and uh, as you're speaking, I'm getting on the roller coaster again, just remembering the journey. Um, we were able, my husband and I were able to accomplish downsizing. What I've learned is that it doesn't end. You move things, even though you think you've downsized, you move things that in the end you don't need or won't fit or just don't like anymore. But I hear stories of people who are unable to do it. They will move to a smaller place but they rent storage units so that they don't have to go through their stuff. And that to me is scary. Uh, you know, you can't take it with you. <laughs> uh, well, that's true. And I'm still waiting for the person who says they can, because I like to figure out why you would want to, but anyway. Right. Right. Um, in any case, it, I've learned that it's a situation that can cause tremendous stress to the individuals and to presumably the couple or the family, whoever it is that are downsizing. But I can speak from experience to say, if you get through it, the other side is much brighter with less stuff. Rodney Dangerfield once said, 
Home is where you keep your stuff while you're out buying other stuff. <laughs> and I, <laughs> that kept coming back to me uh, as I, I wrote the story for the book, Chaos to Clarity. It, when you have enough space, you mentioned storage sheds and uh, basement and so forth. If there's a place to put something, we I think we tend to keep it rather than make the decision at the time that you're putting it somewhere else. Um, I've learned not to do that. Nothing comes in that isn't going to be used, and more goes out than comes in. Mm. I've also heard this theory that the more space you have, the more stuff you're going to put in it, i.e. if you move from uh, say a thousand square foot, maybe living in a studio apartment and you move into a 2000 square foot, uh, home or apartment, you're going to fill it. And then when you go to move from there to a smaller place, it's like, well, where am I going to put all this stuff? So now you go and you go to a storage locker, you pay someone else to store it for you. Some folks then forget about it, and I don't know what, every every storage place has its own policies after six months or a year of, you know, nobody, you know, paying for the space. Then they have those television series, those uh, reality shows, <laughs> locker, uh, storage locker wars. Clean, clean out, sell out. Yeah, and it's like, and then these people, they have their own, uh, they have their own businesses where they sell at these um, uh, uh, secondhand stores, antique shops, and so forth. They sell this stuff, or they may know someone who is a buy, who has uh, interest in it, uh, so that they can sell it. And it's just very interesting. And of course, this also ties into uh, sustainable living. Uh, into our environment, uh, into what it is that we're doing here uh, as as a species. I don't know of any other species that does this. You know, right. man is the only one that I know of that, that, that stores up and holds on to stuff. Oh, no, I can't get rid of that because I might use that. I mean, there are guys, and I'm I'm one of them who, fortunately, I haven't gone nuts with it, who have this uh, bucket or this uh, uh, series of this cabinet with sh drawers in it filled with parts, nuts uh -huh. and bolts and cotter pins and on and on and on. Oh, hey, you know, I got to hang on to that because I may need that somewhere down the road. Right. Well, if you can even remember that you have it and where you put it. Thank you very much. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things that... Um, is is really an interesting it's an interesting paradox because there are certain things that yes we we might need down the road matter of fact the thought just occurred to me i was in the i just happened to be in the storage shed just the other day uh, we have these uh, folding crates animal crates and we have a small one and a large one and we were going to pick up uh, three chickens uh, from a friend of ours who wasn't going to be able to take care of them anymore. And we said, well, we have four and we have a large enough coop and a large enough run. We'll take them. So we took. Uh, so I go into the shed and, of course, there's the large one. There's the small one. And I'm looking around inside this eight by eight shed and I'm going, wow, I can't believe how much room there is in here. Now, I had just gone through the process of literally emptying it. Tossing a, a, a load 
into the back of our pickup truck that I took to the dump. Mm-hmm. And then uh, sorted through to determine, and of course my wife was there too, and she helped to determine what we were going to keep and what we were going to throw away. And there was even a discussion at one point about a couple of items that she said, well, you know, we really don't need these. And I thought about it and thought about it. And then, and finally I just said, you know, we don't, we don't need this. Um, where does someone begin? I mean, you obviously you struggled through this yourself, you and your husband uh, going through this process. Uh, you, you know, you have a family, uh, you have ancestors as well as relatives, uh, you know, that you want to maybe pass some of the stuff down to. Um, and uh, there's then the, even the theory. How do you know that your children, grandchildren, aunts, uncles, friends, whatever, even want the stuff that you've got? Right. Well, in that case, um, I know a lot of people that have just outright asked, um, you know, when they're preparing to move, are you going to want grandma's china or are you going to want this hutch, whatever the case may be. And most of most young people today uh, aren't interested. This is what I see and what I hear. And that is why, in my opinion, that uh, thrift and um, consignment stores are thriving is there, there is usefulness to these items and people feel better thinking that it, an item can be reused or even in the case of some ch- children's toys or something like that, that they can actually be loved again. And, and that's fine. It, it, was, it was great for us to make runs to the thrift store knowing that um, people were going to find usefulness out of things that weren't useful to us anymore. It, as far as um, a first step, um, I found the first step to be easy. Um, the first step, uh, the experts will say, is decluttering. And I, that I could handle. I, this is easy. I can go through a stack of magazines. I can go through a bookshelf and donate a few, mark a few to keep, and um you know, put a few in the let's think about it pile, mm-hmm. which will have to be addressed. And and the decluttering is, is a good first step. That's sometimes all people do uh, is just declutter. And, and that's a good feeling when you have more space that way. What I found was um, as you go through this, there's layers to it. Mm. You do create maybe piles. Or even in the case, uh, one night I, I had to go retrieve something I had decided to throw out during the day and then thought more about it. And I had to go get it out of the trash and hang on to it a little bit longer. It did eventually go. Um, but there, there's layers to it. Um, you do have the um, I'm not sure piles. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you leave the decluttering stage, and that's where um, I just what I describe as the downsizing monster appears, um, because it's it it brings out such mixed emotions. You feel good that you're cleaning out, and you can see an empty shelf or an empty uh, closet, whatever the case may be. But then you come across something that you say, oh, my gosh, this was my child's whatever re- uh, dance recital costume, whatever the case may be that triggers a memory. 
And then you go from feeling confident that you can do it to feeling overwhelmed with emotion. And I just find that um, you, ha- you had to work through those if you have to delay the decision a little bit and think about it, that's fine. Um, we were fortunate enough that we had time. We knew that our move was going to be coming probably two to three years before it actually happened. And we had time to give thought to things. I feel bad when people decide to sell their house and it sells in days and they have to go Mm. and they don't have time to go through their things. But we gave a lot of thought to it. And I always remember we, um, we, we were going through a file cabinet that was three feet long with two drawers. So it was six feet of files. And when we were done, literally, we had six inches of files left. Hmm. It just amazed me how much paper you keep. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I it, Yeah, you get stuff in the mail. And you just start to pile, put a pile together. Right. That's kind of a little, uh, I'll think about it later, or it could even be procrastination, or maybe <laughs> it's easier to think about all those things all at once. <laughs> all the credit card offers, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll go through those because, boy, those sound like really good offers, but I, I, I'm too busy right now doing other things, but I'll look at that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, overall, I, um, I'm so glad we did it. I, I view it as a, a major life chore that is done. We, my husband and I can now enjoy retirement. We continue. You talk about what children want or don't want. We did give our daughter a little leeway on, she, she was still quite young, um, on things that she thought that we should keep. Um, as time goes on, she probably she may not want them, mm-hmm. but we did give her a little leeway on, you know, some of the older furniture, not too much. Um, but it, the feeling afterwards is well worth the time and energy. We now have time to to put into friendships and relationships and, and doing the things in retirement that we want to do, knowing that this isn't looming in front of us. You know, it's interesting that you put it that way because, uh, you know, it's like, well, gee, if you're retired, uh, now you got all the time in the world to go through that stuff. Now, you you know, just take your time and, you know, don't, don't rush. But by the same token, if I'm understanding uh, what you're saying uh, in the subtext there, that's not what you wanted to be doing during your retirement. No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> you know, most people will say after they retire, they never knew how they had time to work. And and this is true. Um, new opportunities open for new friendships, travel, reading, any hobbies. And um, I personally wouldn't want to have that chock full closet staring at me when I did that. So when you and your husband began this process, uh, how did it, how did it start? What was the, 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 that moment when you said, this is, uh, that we're, this is out of control. We need to do something about this. Or I, I, what, what was it? What was that moment for you? 
Well, I think it was a gradual realization that our plan for a retirement home at a cottage location that we owned as a rental, this is where my book, This New Cottage, comes into the whole story, that our plan was become was going to become reality. It, we had had the plan for 10, 12 years, and um, nothing had changed it. We still planned on uh, rebuilding this cottage and moving it there as our year-round home. Um, so, it wasn't a, a, a light bulb went on. It was a gradual realization that this needed to be done. And like I say, we started with, with simple things. Um, but at the same time, while planning the building of this new house, the other, the flip side that wasn't always so much fun was, um, you know, knowing that we had so many boxes and bins and the basement and the attic and, we had a large home with a lot of storage spaces, and we used it for <laughs> I don't know what. You know, we'd look at things and say, why in the world do we even have this? Well, uh, there's an inter so interesting... It took a place over time anyway, Richard. Yeah. Um, what I find interesting is the metaphors that exist uh, in life, mm -hmm. uh, in our real life, that, um, for example... When I have talked about, when I've had conversations on this program about money, many times the metaphor that is used is a water, uh, water flowing. And uh, uh, like in the house, in, in a house, you have plumbing. You have a supply line coming in, and then you have your uh, drains going out. And that if you have a blockage at either end, Supply or discharge, if you will. Uh, that is a wonderful metaphor as far as money is concerned, because you don't necessarily want it to. And see, this is the other thing that I look at is people with millions and millions and millions of dollars in the bank and they're holding on to it and holding on to it. How different are they from the hoarders who hoard stuff? I don't I don't see that there's any difference um, mm -hmm. in that respect. You know, they talk about these people with this net worth and what are you doing with it? And some people are doing some wonderful things. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being critical because who knows? Maybe I'd like to be one of them one of these days, but I certainly would be extremely philanthropic in, in my support of, of people and organizations that I think are doing good work around the world. Because that's kind of the whole point of this program is to help find those new ways of living and, and those new paradigms that will help make it this a better world for everyone. So when we start uh -huh. looking at holding on to these things, this stuff, um, what is there a is there a, a um, is there a metaphor in there somewhere for us? Uh, maybe on a spiritual, maybe maybe a, a metaphor from the standpoint that in addition to decluttering our physical lives, we need to do the same thing with our mental, emotional, and spiritual lives. I absolutely believe that's true. Um, I, I, for myself, that wasn't the conscious decision. But as time went on, I realized what was happening was you're kind of sweeping out the uh, your soul, and um, you know you get back to the the things. Take 
family pictures, for example, mm-hmm. especially with um, the way things can be stand, uh, scanned and digitized. You know, you open up a box of family pictures that maybe you got from your parents or grandparents, and you don't know half the people in them. You know, they were never labeled on the back. Um, so, you know, you can kind of go through them that way. But ones that you do know, I found it um, cathartic to scan them and share them with my siblings. I happen to be the keeper of the pictures, but with today's technology, I, I don't have to be the only one who can see them. Um, and that, it, I don't know, it warmed my soul to be able to to share in that way. And then the uh, my siblings could do what they want with them. Um, you know, if I'd like, for me, it wasn't intentional, but it definitely happened where um, physical stuff to, okay, I have my memories. For example, my child's schoolwork, uh, you know, the posters and the drawings and the endless bins of things like that. I took pictures of them. How simple is that? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, every once in a while I'll stumble on on looking through files and see them. and, and, And that triggers the memory and it serves the purpose without actually having the item. Hmm. So I think that the point is... You don't want to lose the memories, and that's why you hang on to the stuff. But there are ways to hang on to the memories without hanging on to the stuff. Does that make sense? Absolutely. If you have removed the clutter, yet still maintained the connection to that thing through, in this case, uh, let's say digitized or even printed photographs, which take up a lot less room. Or even a photo album, which would be uh, another another interesting project. Maybe that would be a way for someone to transition from a room full of memories down to a book of photographs of those memories. Now you just have the book sitting on a coffee table instead of all of those things cluttered all around the room, taking up space. Exactly. And I know that I have that... Uh, like everyone else, you know, I have the same same issues in that regard. There are certain things that I'm still holding on to. Oh, my God, I still have my <laughs> I still have and it's in a file cabinet, so it's not taking up that much room. My eighth grade class yearbook. Of course you do. And Most people do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, which, and of course, I also have my four high school yearbooks as well. But again, they're books, and so they're not taking up a lot of room and so on and so forth. Um, and who knows? Maybe the one of the reasons why I'm holding on to some of these things uh, is, especially in the file cabinet, is because someday I will write my memoirs. And some of these things that I've held on to uh, were significant in my life, which is why I held on to them. Uh, and, uh, for example, I have um, the the newspaper clippings when Pope John Paul II visited Phoenix back in uh, the 80s when I was living there with my first wife. And uh-huh. so I've got all of these photographs and I've got this picture and that picture and the other picture and and these articles and so on and so forth. And I have I mean, you know, I, I could sit here and go through the list of things. 
but it, that's very interesting that maybe even maybe even uh, taking the time to scan them into the computer, these articles and these pages and so forth. Uh, but I think right. that's where my mindset is, is, ah, you know, I, I hear about and I interview people who've written their memoirs, you know, and well, you know, I'm not even 60 yet and I'm not ready to write my memoirs because I still have another lifetime to go. And uh, so I'm going to wait a little bit longer, <laughs> you know, and so forth. But then again, I have files that I have yet to go through. I do have a shredder. I've got files. Oh boy, we through shredders. I'll tell you. I'll bet. Of um, uh, I've got files, uh, file folders filled with old bills. Now it's only because I haven't gone through the file cabinet the way I've wanted to, and I would have to spend a day, literally sorting through this stuff. Um, but I actually did one day. I sat down and I went through. And yes, folks, I have actually in my lifetime filed bankruptcy, and I shredded that entire folder and it was uh, an inch and a half thick i wait i have to interrupt you I mean, you weren't only cleaning out paper you were erasing a time of your life that maybe you didn't want the memory of well in one sense you're absolutely right and i also went through my divorce file which was three inches thick uh-huh. now i did keep the divorce decree I did keep the bankruptcy decree, you know, the legal document. Sure. Uh, that was maybe two or three pages. Uh, and I wish that I had not spent any time reading any of the documents or uh, uh, emails that had been sent uh, back and forth from uh, my ex-wife's uh, best friend and my attorney. Uh, you know, I wish I had just put it in the shredder, be done with it, and don't even concern yourself with that information because it's over. It's gone. It's done. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, and so I've gone through those things, but I still have some bills to go through. When you begin that process of destroying, if you will, or shredding or making the determination as to where some of these things are going to go, what is your thought uh, or what should maybe be our thought when it comes to finding another place for these things, for this stuff, uh, aside from the landfill, and eventually some of this stuff is going to wind up there. Uh, you know, that I acknowledge. But uh, in terms of, say, uh, giving it to a thrift store or, uh, you know, say the Salvation Army or the homeless or so on and so on and so on, as opposed to relatives, family, friends, uh, that's that is got to be even harder because if you do that, you have no clue as to where that's going. Well, that's true. Um, my, for myself, I, I guess I was at the stage where, I, in my mind, I was okay with that. I was, I was happier to think someone could wear or use an item than put it in the the landfill. Um, but I think if if you're going to stop and wonder what they're going to do with it, maybe it, maybe you need to think about it again. Mm. And, and like I say, the layers, um, right. um, you know, you, you'll get through, you just got to work through those emotions for a bit longer. It, um, I, I personally found it heartwarming to, I mean, we were going to the thrift store every week with the car full. Um, 
and I don't know how things operate out where you are, Richard, but um, in our area, many, many organizations, for example, at this time of year, will do a collection of um, winter coats. So you don't have to worry about that. But up in Massachusetts, you do, um, mm. you know, that don't fit or you don't like or you're not wearing anymore. And, and, and they'll be given to organizations that will um, help people um, that need a winter coat, which, you know. Yeah. I, it's, it, you know, that's a wonderful thing to do. Oh, absolutely. And I've heard a couple of theories in terms of getting rid of things downsizing uh, since that's the word we're using here on the program uh, one of them is if you haven't opened a particular box in a year don't and just get rid of it now i don't necessarily agree with that because when my wife and i moved to santa barbara in 2006 and i kid you not there were boxes under the house that we had put there had not even we hadn't even opened since we'd moved for 10 years now some would say well why would you bother opening it obviously you didn't miss it yeah but when we did open it we did find some things a few things one or two things in this box of multiple things that we did not want to let go of the other uh -huh. thing you just alluded to as far as coats clothing is if you haven't worn it in a season or two you know why are you holding on to it why not let someone else get some use out of it uh those right. are the those are the hard decisions i know uh to make and uh one of the things that i want to touch upon now as we continue moving forward here as we are talking here with uh, peggy Lindsay, and she is one of the contributors to chaos to clarity and we are celebrating the entire month of january 2020 uh with chaos to clarity interviews with the authors who have contributed their stories their sacred stories of transformation and the book is available at sacredstoriespublishing.com and you can also read an excerpt there as well uh, but we encourage you to do that but one of the things that i i want to talk about here is the feeling of that I got when I cleaned out that shed, and I mean, it was one of those things where maybe this is one of the things you did. You removed everything from a room, and you only put back in there those things that you were going to hold on to, and everything else, it disappeared. It, you know, it went wherever it was going to go. And I had such a fantastic feeling when that shed had enough room, I probably could have could have put a cot in there and 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 laid down it, you know there was that much room in there um the the feeling of relief and release uh the 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 weight that goes away that that is lifted if you will and and all of those elements from a physical mental emotional as well as spiritual level share with us that experience um, sure. I, I have to say that, um, at least in the beginning, we didn't have the um, the leeway to empty a room and start over because then it becomes a giant puzzle. Where do you, where do you put things in the meantime? And we and everything else was full. So my strategy was to. Um, in the beginning was was to start small and get those feelings of satisfaction 
from simply seeing a, um, you know, a, a shelf in a in a closet or a part of a closet rod or a book a bookshelf in a bookcase. I, I had to um, celebrate the little steps in order to mod- motivate myself to keep going. Um, yes, eventually, of course, because we did accomplish this and we moved, you know, eventually uh, the house starts looking emptier and what remains in our case was some furniture that we were listing on Craigslist and things like that, or that people were taking. Um, and, and then you can start kind of cleaning out and things in our case made it to the garage. And then that was the holding area until the yard sale was done. And then it was to the thrift store and then to the dump. We had kind of a whole sequence of um, options on how to get rid of stuff that seemed to still have usefulness. You know, you try to sell it, you donate it, or you donate it someplace else, or you try to, um, you know, and the landfill is the last step. Um, but I totally, totally agree with you with the feelings. I, I, and I didn't expect that, um, that feeling of cleansing, of freedom, um, just, is, that's what kept me going. That's what motivated me to finish the job was this feels good. <laughs> yeah. I never put a lot of energy into this thought uh, here in Southern, in California, of course, over the years, we've been here 13, 14 years and we've been through 14 fires. And there were times when fires were coming fairly close to uh, the, the home in which we live and uh, there was a part of me, and again, I didn't focus a lot on this because I didn't want to really put the energy into it and have that happen, but uh, there was a part of me that's going, boy, you know what? It sure would simplify our lives if the fire just swept through and took it all. Yes, wow. there would be sadness of the loss of those things, but hey, now I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Um, you know, yeah, I've got, as you see on television all the time, you see the emotions of the people who have lost family heirlooms and so on and so forth. But from my perspective, I'm thinking, boy, it would just, it would just make things so much easier. I wouldn't have to spend the time going through this stuff. You know, I do not recommend that, but, but that's kind of interesting in the fact that you, I'm sure many people will think of that, um, it, to me, that speaks to the human um, need or want to start over. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and be released of everything and and make a fresh start. I, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And, and again, it's, it isn't something that I really pursued. I didn't think too much about it, but the thought came and went, and I let it do so. Because, again, I thought... You know that uh, let's let's not let's not foster that. Let's not manifest that. Okay, uh, if if we can avoid it, great. If we can't and it's coming, you know, then that's that's what the universe is telling us. It's time to start over. Um, sure, but you were mentally preparing yourself for the fact that it could happen. Exactly, similar to um, when I saw my ophthalmologist in 1995, as my vision was going. Um, in my right eye due to, to cataracts that were growing. And he says, well, we can, uh, 
Uh, we can wait and see if they'll go away on their own, which I'm going, that's a stupid thing to say because that's why I'm here in the first place. Or we can uh, give you a lens implant. And uh, But just let me tell you that you have a 50-50 chance of losing your vision. So I said, okay, then let's do it. So that if I'm going to lose my vision, uh, I can start now uh, adjusting to that. Uh, and so I thought, let's just get to it. And so fortunately, it went the way of uh, my now my ability to drive. I was shocked when my wife and I moved from Phoenix to uh, Santa Barbara and I uh, we were driving through Los Angeles and I'm looking around at the cars on the highway as I'm driving the the van. And I'm going, oh, my God, I'm actually driving on an L.A. freeway. <laughs> um, so, but you're right. It's it's one of those things where you you think about uh, and you sort of prepare yourself. I mean, my parents are in their mid-late 80s. They're still going strong, doing great. And yet I also know, too, that one day I'm going to get that call from one of my sisters, I'm sure, uh, either about my mother or father. Uh, you know, that, hey, you know, dad is gone, dad has passed, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, there's a part of me that's going, well, yeah, but they're such good friends, you know, then, and that's how I look at them now. They're not parents anymore. They're just friends. Uh-huh. Uh, and very good friends. And then we have great conversations and thinking this, this kind of goes to what I, uh, we talked about earlier about, you know, getting stuff from mom and dad, you know, getting stuff from other relatives. Uh, my parents have already sent out the will. To all six of us, the kids, uh-huh. I know what I'm getting and I've already gotten it. Not uh-huh. just, not just life, but the wisdom, the, 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 the wise sayings that my father has shared with me over the years. And he wasn't trying to be wise necessarily. It was just, you know, eat, drink and be merry in moderation because nobody gets <laughs> out of this world alive, you know? And that's just one of the things that I've, I've kept with me, but, uh-huh. um, I remember uh, going through a period where uh, after we'd gotten the wills, it was about two months later, and I'm going, Gee, I wonder why I was left out of this, that, or the other thing, you know? And I almost made a, I almost made a call to my sister. And I thought, oh, no, because that could really create some problems. And I thought, well, maybe I'll call. And I kept going down this list of who to call. And then this thought came to me, why don't you reread the will? Reread the will. So I did. And it turns out, I don't know where the thought came from, but I wasn't being left out of anything. I don't know. I don't know why I thought that, but it's like maybe it was because my intuition was telling me you needed to reread it anyway. Uh huh. And I think it's one of those things where my parents are giving material things to the other kids and not so much to me. And I don't care. I've already gotten the most valuable gifts over the years from them that, that, that are uh, not just the memories. But again, all of the, the lessons and, and so forth. And I'm very excited about that aspect. But again, it's, it's that, it, that other thing about preparing for those monumental events, the passing of someone, uh, the moving. I mean, that's as traumatic as they say, uh, the grieving process of moving, uh, as well as losing a job. It's like those, I think, are the top three. Right, right. And they always say, you know, uh, Try not to do all those major life things, 
you know, at the same time or yeah. in close proximity. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> we ignored all of that. <laughs> we became empty nesters. We downsized. We moved. We became snowbirds all within the two and a two year time frame. What has been your philosophy uh, growing up and how has that changed for you, especially having gone through because I, I, I do consider what you went through the downsizing as a, a, a spiritual uh, almost a spiritual ritual, if you will. Tell me about uh-huh. your, the, your your philosophy, your up, your up, upbringing uh, in that regard. Um, well, let me think. Um, I, I think it, uh, it has evolved. Um, we, I, when I grew up, we, we were a family of five children and, you know, we're working class family. My mother worked at the hospital. My father was a bus driver. Um, we didn't have excess, but boy, I had a happy childhood and I, um, it's funny, my husband and I have tried to recreate that atmosphere of um, a home from the 50s or early 60s in building this new cottage um, mm-hmm. that is the subject of my book. Yeah. Um, so, but I certainly went through a time of um, accumulating, as they call us when we're in our 30s and 40s and 50s. We're called accumulators. Um, and yeah, it's a transformation uh, when you when you think what what do I want in my life going forward, and what I want. I, I always say my life before I wrote an article also on snowbirding. Before we became snowbirds, I would have told you my life was rich. I we had friends and family in Massachusetts, and it was wonderful. And we became snowbirds, and my life just got richer. It amazes me that um, going through this transformation that all kind of centered around the retirement age, um, that life could be so good. It's... uh, I don't know whether that's philosophical or what you were looking for, Richard, but I, I would say that I'm typical in, in going through the stages, and I'm happy to be where I am now. I know that I joke with people saying that the only retiring, the only retiring that I will be doing is putting new tires on my truck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that retirement is at least as far as the human race is concerned, a relatively new concept, you know, in the last couple of hundred years, retirement, uh-huh. there was no, the only, the, the retirement that you did a couple of hundred years ago was you died. That was retirement. Right. Because you worked right up until that day. And I, I, again, I joke with people saying that I have no intention of retiring. They will have to peel my cold, dead carcass off of this console uh, because (laughs) this is what I love to do is uh, talk with folks such as yourself about what you're doing in your life and how you are sharing that not only through 
your book, but also through the stories that you have uh, uh, contributed uh, in uh, the Chaos to Clarity series, if you will, uh, Sacred Stories of Transformation. And I guess that's really the the big thing that that we also want to discuss, and it's along the same lines of what we're already talking about, is how has has your transformation... um, has it been a big one? I mean, if you look back prior to downsizing and then look at yourself today, are you really that different? Uh, have you have you changed that much in the way that you view not just your life, but life in general and and uh, the you know the immortality of your soul and what comes next and so on and so on and so on? Um, I, w- I would say that Yes, I have changed a lot. Um, People that know me well probably see it. People that don't know me well may not. What I find about retirement and snowboarding is um, it's that fresh start. You know, we, uh, we winter in Florida and we met all of these wonderful people down here. And you don't always know what their life was like before now it's going forward yeah and um but where i was you know raising a family and working and um running children around to activities yeah my life is is pretty different um i feel you know life is a you become who you are uh, it evolves. It's not um, not instantaneous. One, in, one instant. Oh, yeah. now I am who I am. It, it you become who you are as you live life. I feel as though I've gained a lot of wisdom. Um, I I think I have my priorities straight right now. Mm-hmm. Um, in what I want out of life, and um, you know, my faith and family and and friends and. Uh, enjoying God's creation on this earth, uh, whether it be the people or the scenery or, or whatever, I, that's that's where I'm at right now. Hmm. It, We're talking with Peggy Lindsay. Uh, she is a contributor to the uh, Chaos to Clarity series as we celebrate 2020, the year of perfect vision. Uh, I'm wondering about your inner vision, your intuition. Did, did did your intuition help you at all in this process of this transformational process of downsizing? My intuition, um, yes, I would say so. I um, we've always felt fortunate that we have uh, friends that are our age, that are older than us, that are younger than us, um, a broad range of people at different life stages. So I think I had a pretty good idea from our friends that were older than us on what to expect, um, what to intuit on um, in the downsizing process. I certainly um, have known a lot of people that have done it successfully. I've known some that haven't done it at all. Um, But yeah, my intuition told me that it was it was going to be good. <laughs> you just had to get through it. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the whole that's the key right there. You refer to it uh, uh, in, at one point as a monster. Yes. 
Uh, talk to us a little bit about that and how I, I, did you tame the monster or uh, or wh- wh- what happened to the monster? Well, uh, to answer your second question first, yes, I, I, we tamed the monster. We won. Um as, as the house became emptier and, you know, our voices echoed because there wasn't anything in it to absorb the sound, the, the monster shrank away and disappeared. But the monster itself, um, it, it's the emotions that um, the reason the word, the analogy to a monster comes to mind. Um, like I said earlier, you you in in the course of a day or even in a minute you're you're riding high like i finished that and don't we feel good we ran those things to the dump or to the thrift store and then you go to the next thing the attic or the basement and you know it's really kind of start over again and so those the feelings of of being overwhelmed uh come back and and it's and it's a seesaw mm-hmm. Uh, that was the gist of the article as I as I wrote it. That the conflicting emotions that you you can experience simultaneously. Uh, it, it was it was a monster. You open a closet door, and there was the monster again. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, how but, you know you persevere and uh, how and do you, you how do you keep the monster so to speak at bay? When you go out shopping, you go out looking for something, and and uh, do you have a different mindset when you're out there looking for things? Absolutely, the um, much more discerning. Uh, as I said, the um, when we rebuilt the old cottage to our year-round home, but it's still keeping it in the cottage style. It's a very specific style of furniture, of decor, um, of wall art, whatever the case may be, and um, that's all. That's all we look for. And and to be honest, we're at the point now where we don't really have room for anything else. Um, it was a blast. We had fun doing it, and maybe we'll switch some things out. But I kind of follow the rule that if something comes in, something goes out. Um, we were able to use, like I said, we became snowbirds, so we were able to, um, you know, transfer some of the belongings down, down to the second home. Um, but yes, it's it's a shopping is a different mindset. I I don't spend as much time shopping as I used to, just looking for the sake of looking and finding something interesting. Um, yeah. I d- I'm just not interested in doing. That's not how I'm interested in spending my time. And uh, unfortunately, it also uh, puts a uh, an interesting juxtaposition uh, to the uh, to the marketing industry that's trying to get you to buy stuff, more stuff. Well, this is true. Um, I guess this. Well, we baby boomers are, of, of, as you know, a very big generation, and the following generations are not um, of the size that we were or are, and that 
that all goes back to who do you leave the stuff to because mm-hmm. there's fewer people. But I, 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 there's still a big demographic group that are buyers, I think. I have to say, having a young daughter uh, in her 20s still, I do find that age group is not as focused on owning things. They are into spending their money on experiences. And I have to look and say, wow, maybe you learned the lesson early and figured this out at the expense of us. You know, that's why furniture like Ikea, disposable furniture is uh, popular. Yeah. Uh, um, You know, having the heirlooms or buying your own heirloom dining room furniture, which was very popular with us baby boomers. um, It just doesn't interest them. Yeah. Uh, It's it's, it's interesting. I I look at our daughter and I say, oh, maybe. Few smarter than we were. <laughs> <laughs> well, and at the same time, they were different times, as we would both acknowledge. They just are. They're different times, and we had different focuses, different uh, things that different priorities. Um, and at the same time, uh, I I look at nature as the uh, as man's greatest teacher, if but man will watch and listen and look and and absorb what nature is is doing. It's one of the things I said earlier in the program i don't know of any other species on the planet except man that hoards up stuff that stores up food for in some cases decades take a look at the twinkie uh, <laughs> um you know and and it's like some would say well yeah but that's what we have to do because blah 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 they give all kinds of reasons and i'm thinking no we don't have to do that. That is not something we have to do. We have chosen to do that. And if we were to choose to do something different, which is part of what this program is about, is looking for those new ways of living that are, uh, it's kind of a tired word now, that are but that it's, uh, I, can, I can't think of another one, that are sustainable, that uh-huh. are ones that benefit us, but also don't destroy the home on, in which we live. I think that's one of the things that that uh, I find so um, a little disparaging is that there are so many people still who don't care about what they do to the home in which they live. And then I, I will then use the argument, okay, if it doesn't matter. If it doesn't matter, then I'm going to load up my truck with all the garbage that I've collected for the past month. I'm coming and I'm dumping it on your front lawn because it doesn't matter. And then, forgive me for being a little crass here, I'm going to leave a little uh, number one and number two gift in the corner of your living room because it doesn't matter. (laughs) But it does matter. Sure. And what you and your husband and many others are doing by downsizing as well as myself and my wife um it's it's so important to to take a look at that it i i can't i can't uh, express that enough in that regard i think anyway that i think it's it's important not just from a physical standpoint but again what we've touched upon throughout this interview is the mental emotional as well as the spiritual aspects of releasing uh-huh. these things. Right. That's the bigger picture. You know, it's it's a lot of physical work, but the bigger picture is, um, like you say, the emotional and the uh, 
the emotional release. And you, you and your husband shared in this experience. I'm curious as to uh, responses that you have gotten from not just couples, but even from uh, uh, men who have had uh, gone through this process uh, of downsizing and have had extremely emotional responses to going through this stuff and having to choose to get rid of it. Absolutely. Um, my husband, it, it was different things, of course, that were um, memorable or valuable to him. He did He did a good job. Um, you know, we weren't going to have space for his... Um, his record albums, <laughs> mm. um, but he found someone who, who would um, take them. Um, and, you know, the various things that you collect with ticket stubs to sporting events or playbills to plays or, you know, certain things of you think are valuable. And another person would say, why in the world do you have that? Um, but yes, um, for the most part, we were in agreement on what needed to go. And if either one of us held back, you, you just had to give the, um, the grace time to, to figure it out, whether it just needed time to let it go or if truly it was something that needed to stay. Um, it, it, it's definitely, I mean, if you've lived in your house for any length of time, it's definitely the both of a, of a couple. Yeah. And, and it, how has that strengthened your relationship with each other? Well, I think it has, um, it, it's definitely put us on the same page um, as far as any future purchases. Uh, you know, I catch him sometimes saying, oh, look at this or whatever. And I go, we don't have room <laughs> <laughs> or, or vice versa. Um yeah, it, it's we're on the same page as, as you know. We've downsized. We, you know, collectively between the two places, we probably have the same amount of space, but it's but it's a different arrangement. Um, you know, we 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 were in agreement that we wanted to do it, and um, I think he feels the same relief that I do. Maybe not quite so much, um, but uh, well. Yes, that's interesting because uh, again, it's it's one of those things where you look at you look at what you've accomplished and the feeling that you have in that accomplishment, and 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 it's it. I don't know. It's like I said earlier, the the uh, the feeling of lightness, uh, feeling almost cleaner in one sense. You know. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this sounds kind of strange, but every time I take, for example, our vehicle in to be repaired for something, and usually it's nothing major. Um, prime example, I, I purchased a, 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 um, a reverse camera, a camera that's mounted on the license plate of the back of the truck so that when I back up, I can have a better view. Uh, and uh, all of a sudden, after our trip to, uh, to Yosemite back in November, um, it stopped working and I couldn't figure out why. And so I had to remove it. And it turns out 
it had gotten a little waterlogged and it shouldn't have because it's supposed to be waterproof (laughs) but that's okay so i shook the water out i let it dry out and then i charged it up and uh, voila it works again and there's a part of me that says i feel like i'm in a new truck because I got this, and it's like nothing's changed. It's right back to the way it was before. <laughs> Why would it feel like a new truck? But that's just my my perspective when things like that are are repaired or something even around the house, and you just you just feel so good about not only accomplishing something, but now oh, this thing is working again. Wonderful. Um, that's very true. Got to be sort of the feeling that you have when you've cleared out maybe a corner of a room or an entire room, or in my case, like this uh, this one shed, this eight by eight shed that that I, I actually bought and uh, put up uh, in uh, uh, June, I think it was of uh, two thousand six, and a it's still standing, uh, but b it's so much less cluttered and and it's great. So. Those are those are wonderful, wonderful feelings. Peggy Lindsay is my guest. Chaos to Clarity is the book that she has contributed to regarding downsizing. And uh, this is, a, I think, a very important lesson for all of us to learn. You also say in your story that eventually some areas are uh, cleared. They're cleared out. And genuine feelings of relief start to manifest. That's kind of what I, I guess maybe that's what I'm feeling uh, when I clear something out. As you described here, there's a relief that, oh, I don't have to deal with that anymore. And, oh, I've got this new space that I can take what we have and I can create this into a whole new little area maybe a sitting area or if you're into sewing or put a book you know or move the bookcases into this space and a little library or what have you but again it's all with what you already have you don't go out and get more stuff <laughs> <laughs> nope that would be counterproductive <laughs> absolutely so uh, real briefly here with the time we have remaining talk to us about this uh, this other uh, work that you have uh, uh, put together, uh, this new cottage. Uh, the, the and by the way, this new cottage is also available at the website thisnewcottage.com. Uh, so tell us about uh, the the concept and uh, and 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 how this uh, this came about for you. Oh, I'd be happy to. Um, just a a, a little. Um uh, correction on that. Uh, the book actually is not published yet. Um, it, there is a website, thisnewcottage.com, but I am at the stage where I'm looking for a literary agent and okay. or publisher for the book. Um, as I, The book was written by me, the homeowner, and um, some parts of it written by um, the builder, giving us the um, the aspect, the viewpoint of um, building code and, you know, working with the team and, and trying to keep the customer happy, but keep costs down and so forth. So he has a very unique um, perspective on, on that in some of the sections. I envision the book to be a coffee table book um, full of pictures with captions because that really is the story of building this new cottage. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we built in a cottage community on Cape Cod, um, and we tried to make it 
while being new, a, uh, a cottage-like so that it would fit somewhat within the community as it evolves with these rebuilds. The interior is um, all done in retro, um, which was all driven by the uh, selection of a range for the kitchen in the color robin egg blue, hmm. just just like they used to have back in the 50s. Um, and it has the uh, retro styling also. So that was the inspiration for the whole cottage. And it's, it's colorful, it's bright, it's cheery. When people started visiting after it was finished, they would say, this house makes me happy. Um, and that was the inspiration for me to write the book. Um, the book, the house has been in a magazine, um, Cape Cod Home, and um, I I hope that I'll be able to take the book all the way to uh, getting it published. Absolutely. I'm curious as to your thoughts on the trend of tiny homes or tiny houses. Yeah, that's an interesting trend. Um, I, I, I see that coming. Um, again, the, the millennials or whatever you want to call the younger generation, um, it seem to, because they're focused on experiences, don't want to um, be encumbered by a big house that... Um, has a lot of bills attached to it, you know, and upkeep and so forth. I, I can see that trend continuing. I, I'm not an expert in the field, but um, I can I can see where the need is coming from. Um, our house is smaller than what we lived in before, um, but it, it it still has adequate space. It's I wouldn't consider it a tiny home. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely a trend that I um, I see continuing. And the trend of uh, RVs and travel trailers, I notice that more and more people are doing that. I was watching, a matter of fact, I was watching one of these um, uh, guys who uh, helps people to to uh, uh, deal with their finances and so forth. And this guy calls up and he says, hey, uh, um, what do you think about maybe, uh, uh, you know, me, I'm renting, uh, and uh, what if I was to uh, go out and buy a travel trailer uh, you know, and live in it because, you know, you can do that now, you know, and, and so on and so forth. He says, I would never counsel anybody to go into debt. You know, with the right. exception with the exception of a home, you know, or a car. But I would never encourage someone to go into debt. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. If you're not paying rent, and in spite of the devaluation when you drive whatever it is off the lot, that's going to happen regardless, um, you have your own place. It's yours. You can do with it whatever you want. And yes, you still have to pay, make payments, but don't you have to pay to live anywhere, whether you rent or own? So what's, what's the difference? Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but uh, what about, the, the? do you think that that's the same, maybe along the same lines as this whole tiny house thing? Because they are oh, kind of small little uh, uh, travel trailers. Well, they are, but um, my impression is they have absolutely everything you need. Um we have friends that live on a boat all summer, and it, it's not 
doesn't have a lot of storage. <laughs> um, so there isn't a lot of place, a lot of places to accumulate things. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, as far as being able to travel with your home, I think that's a great concept. Yeah. Yeah. I want to thank you so much for uh, giving us so much time here on the program. This has been a lot of fun, and um, I think that people are going to hopefully get the message uh, that it's okay, A, to downsize, uh, that B, it is, it is a, a challenge. It can be a challenge. I maybe put it that way. It doesn't have to be, but it can be because you're, you know, separating from old memories. But you've given us some good tips on how to hang on to those memories, uh, specifically by taking photographs or scanning, if you have photographs, scanning those, making them digital and so forth, uh, which is, you know, a great idea. And I think that uh, people are going to learn a lot from this. And uh, as well as your story about downsizing in Chaos to Clarity, Sacred Stories of Transformation. And I thank you so much for giving us so much time here on the program. And um, look forward to hopefully having you come out here to Santa Barbara and and uh, continuing uh, to talk about some of these other ideas and areas that you are uh, that are important to you and your husband. Well, thank you so much. I thank you for your time, Rich. And I would I would enjoy a trip to California. Well, I'll tell you what we will uh, we'll look forward to that day. And in the meantime, we can certainly continue to communicate via Skype. I want to let our listeners know, of course, that you can find out more about uh, Peggy Lindsay uh, going to her website. As she has already stated, the book is not uh, published yet. She's looking for a publisher for this new cottage, and that's a dot com. When you put that at the end of that, this new cottage dot com. You can also read her story in Chaos to Clarity. Sacred Stories of Transformation, available through sacredstoriespublishing.com, and uh, we encourage you to do just that. We will be linked to both her website as well as Chaos to Clarity on the uh, player, on the playlist that's going to be made available. As each of these interviews airs on the radio station, they will be made available uh, on the podcast, so be uh, looking for that uh, there up on uh, the website. January through December 2020, the year of perfect division. I hope that you will join us in that. And if you like what we're doing here on the program and you'd like to support us, hey, we would certainly appreciate any support that you can give us financially. We do have PayPal and Patreon accounts to uh, to do just that. And I use those because those are much more secure than any other method. And also a reminder that uh, if you have any ideas for this program, you'd like to email us. We'd love to hear from you. T-M-Y-S, that's uh, tell me your story. T-M-Y-S at RichardDugan.com. T-M-Y-S at richarddugan.com. Uh, this has been Chaos to Clarity, Sacred Stories of Transformation here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan. My guest has been Peggy Lindsay, and you uh, have been listening to this program and podcast, and we hope that you'll continue to do so. And until next time, love to love.